0: Following is a recording from the Destructura Forum that took place on July 19th, 2020 in Narva, Estonia, which is right on the Russian border because thought I'd mention that because it's mentioned in the conversation. This is a panel discussion that was done live with questions and answers at the end. And I would like to, in advance, apologize for the sound quality. It was a little bit out of my control, and therefore it is not up to my standards. But nonetheless, the content is very interesting, and I hope you enjoy. So this panel is set up to be talking on a sort of a different perspective on the same set of issues, uh, which is the effects of crisis on artists from so basically the 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 the, uh, core of this whole thing being crisis and how it affects the industry but this side of it will be more about the artists themselves more than like the objects of art so today for our panel we have please introduce yourselves
1: Uh, I'm Madalena Kay I am from the UK Um, I am an artist and uh, an activist
2: Hi, my name is Frederik, and I am uh, officially a photographer, but uh, I actually do many uh, more things and not so much photography. And uh, I think today I'm going to be approaching this topic from what I observe in my work in higher education in the arts. Uh, So I am working with a lot of students. And uh, yeah, Well, we'll leave it here for now.
3: Hi, I'm Anastasia. Um, I am an artist. I was in the European Youth Parliament for 10 years. I do paint. I did design. Now I'm doing this.
0: This being?
3: Making this project happen.
0: Okay. For the listeners who are not present and listening to this in a podcast, could you please elaborate a little bit?
3: Uh, Back in 2020, Um, was the time when I started transitioning from the European Youth Parliament, which is a youth organization that keeps young people in there as opposed to 30-year-olds. I have a degree in fine arts. I also did social design at Eindhoven Design Academy, and I thought that pursuing a career in the arts would be lovely, up until the moment when I started doing it more professionally and realized Mm, going back to the PN Youth Parliament mm, would really make my mood go up uh, because of a myriad of different issues, because of a lot of obstacles young people such as myself were facing in the sector. However, I decided I am persistent, so instead of um, obeying the rules that are imposed on me, I'm going to at least give it a go and try to make this sector more innovative and open to young people with new ideas as opposed to making young people comply with old ideas.
0: All right. I'm not sure if I should be offended by that. No?
1: She's ambitious and innovative.
0: Okay, fair enough. Because I'm of the older generation. I mean, maybe I'm just a cusp. I'm not like the the older generation. It's I like mean, being young at heart. Okay, I'm an older generation.
3: You're a wonderful older generation who <laughs> is y- here. You <laughs> wouldn't
1: k- be here if you didn't care about our ideas.
2: Of of or, or we just sick people and invited him to offend them. But you know not <laughs> yeah. 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 No, I'm just kidding.
0: Okay, so the effects of art crisis on artists so like so from academic perspective from an activist perspective like so like what are the things that you have been running into yourself so like your own personal experiences dealing with these kinds of things i've heard politics uh i'm not sure you just said activists so i'm not sure exactly what you mean and then of course academia is its own can of worms as well so could you elaborate on sort of your Personal interaction with these different needs for activism in the arts.
1: So I'm also involved in like European politics activism. I was awarded Young European of the Year in 2018, basically because of my activism against Brexit.
0: I'm sorry. Wait. Let me say say that again. Young European of the Year. Yeah. That's a title.
1: That's a, yeah. that's the thing. Okay.
0: <laughs> Go on.
1: You only get it for one year. Um, so basically like my crisis uh the like kind of my call to action and the thing that kind of like gave me the most impact and influence with my work was brexit and i would see that as like a political crisis it seems like really like a bit pathetic in comparison to like the war in ukraine and everything that's happening in belarus and you know other places in the world but in the uk it was like a pretty big issue and still is still is it's it's not it's not done
0: <laughs> just to clear clarify um pro con brexit
1: can you guess
0: I, I can, but let 's just clarify <laughs> it
1: I am probably the most uh like against brexit person in the u k
0: and that's saying a lot yeah okay,
1: but for me uh my weapon was not like aggression and debate. Uh, my, my, my weapon was my creativity. So um, I do art, visual art, I write stories, I've done self publishing um, of books, um, I write songs, um, perform in rather uh, eccentric costumes, um, and but ma- made like kind of a publicity of myself at most of the protest marches in London.
0: All right. Academia? Be careful, by the way professor
2: here. Oh, well, <laughs> don't worry. I think this is going to be a <laughs> more okay. flattering no, no, than no. anything else.
0: No, are you kidding? Academia is so screwed up, but go well, on.
2: Academia is screwed up, but I think the way students are um, sort of taking responsibility during times of crisis is quite uh, significant. Um, I think there is something special to be said about academia in a sense that Uh, With all of its flaws, it is sort of a place to experiment and to try and to uh, show and create art without necessarily a commitment to, you know, have it shown to a big audience or to really have it funded or very professionally uh, presented. So there's a lot of freedom in academia to sort of um, use these crises as a catalyst for... Um, action or to turn that energy into art and to uh, provoke and, um, you know, it, it is a place where you can take a lot of risks without necessarily, you can do a lot of things that otherwise would be quite risky without necessarily... Uh, having those consequences
0: Within the laws of your own country though, just to be clear, because some countries are a little freer than others on those kinds of expressions
2: I um, Yeah, just to also maybe point out, uh, my experience in academia in the Netherlands, which is uh, the artist community there is um, probably one of the freer and uh, well-funded ones, uh, in Europe at least Indeed.
0: Anything from you? You're welcome to say no, it's fine.
3: I can always speak, but I...
0: I have another topic, if you don't want to...
3: I kind of had a lot of thoughts in my head with uh, all of the comments, because I'm not quite sure, it was clear, you know, activism, academia, this is how we're trenching it, and this is how it's divided. For me, um, I don't really have a concrete title to where I would place myself. Politics. I'm not a politician.
0: You worked in politics.
3: The European Youth Parliament is a non-partisan <laughs> NGO. Anytime I hear the
0: word parliament, I put politics to it. I mean, we Am do I wrong? A- Am I wrong? No?
3: I don't know. We did a, a lot to try and, you know, include the non-partisan bit in everything, but since it was named in 1989 and then people were like, we're meeting, we're discussing topics, we are a parliament, then things evolved and it turned out that you aren't a parliament, you're just uh, an education thing, an educational organization, Uh, but you couldn't get rid of it anymore and the European Youth Forum is taken, uh, the European Youth Platform is taken, so we're stuck with it. But it's not... Politics per se, it's youth engagement, civic engagement. It's um, giving young people the tools to understand that countries they live in are not going to fix themselves. Uh, or situations that they are unhappy with within their countries, their regions, their cities, their towns, their schools are not going to fix themselves and they're actually allowed to express opinions and to bring forward some ideas. Um, There's uh, recently been a lot of talk about um, pay for artists and art professionals in Estonia, because this is, you know, criminal how not well it's paid. Um, And there was an initiative group of uh, a lot of professionals who came together, I listened to their online talk, and then the leader of this group brought up the fact that well, nobody's forbidding artists from coming together, doing a think tank, and then bringing those ideas forward to politicians. This is quite easily done. Nobody's doing it.
0: Isn't that a union?
3: That's, is it a union five people who just have some ideas and want to share them?
0: I, wait, I'm pro-union, just to be clear, just so go on.
3: Union, I would say, is something organized, structured, with some pool, at least. When we're talking about civic engagement, this is literally, we have five artists here, we come together, we have proposals, yo people up top, you are, you know, representing us, we're paying you taxes, listen, let's do this this way. And uh, from uh, organizing certain things recently, I have been reminded that uh, what is happening a lot is commenting on articles, commenting on certain things happening um, that people are doing, and those comments are destructive. I very often want to you know answer some comments on articles about what's happening with us or with some art event. People are putting artistic innovation down, saying why are you using your energy on this useless thing? Why are you doing this to this building? Why are you doing this to this group of people? Uh, This is not going to lead to anything. The example of a building, we are going to be putting, well, we have put murals on a building already, and we're going to be doing a performance there. And that building is um, an old culture palace that is close to people's hearts. Uh, There's been some articles out, and some people have posted the loveliest comments. Today I was fixing the murals a little bit. I was there with the lift. Three people came up to me saying, this warms my heart, I love it, thank you for doing it. I open up a Facebook page and um, this is uh, a shame. Why do you desecrate this building that is falling apart? Why has the city done nothing to save this? Why has nothing ever been done to this building? They're going to ruin this heritage that we see every day decaying. My very first instinct as a European Youth Parliament uh, socially engaged person is to post please every commentator could you specifically list the number of things you have done to resurrect this building and then I will engage with you. I restrain myself but this is my first instinct. So as hard as it may be for me to place myself, yes I am very much within the arts, yes I wanna (coughs) pursue the arts, the, the freedom they allow, but I also want to try to introduce the idea of you can actually change things if you start doing so. I, I even did an exhibition that was called Don't avoid what is easy. And that was all about how people have forgotten to say, I am allowed to want things. I am allowed to have green trees in my streets and want them. Like the, What you do to achieve this is a third, fifth step. The first step is saying I am entitled to want things to happen in my surroundings.
0: That's gonna take me a minute to take in. (laughs) That was a lot, it's all right, that was a lot. Well, I was thinking, based on the previous conversation, actually, and about you all, about funding issues. Because I also had conversations previously with some of the guests about funding issues as well. Because I mean, in the end, it all comes down to funding. But the point, but specifically the question related to, the effects of crisis on artists and funding. When uh, the pandemic hit, I was looking around and all of a sudden there were all these great resources. They're like, oh, here's pandemic relief funds for artists. Here's pandemic relief funds for this. And then, of course, now there are additional crises going on throughout the world in, in various different forms. And they're like, oh, there's this catastrophe here. We will, we'll help out artists about this catastrophe. But there is no, there's a lack of funding for long term, ongoing, continual. Production, it's they. It's very reactionary instead of sort of proactive. How do you feel about that?
1: You're talking to the right person because I'm in the funding think tank, (laughs) so we've literally been doing all our research on this topic. And like, it's a real bugbear of mine this idea that we only support artists in crisis, in times of crisis, because then. If you're not supporting them the rest of the time, then they're just lurching from one crisis to the next. It's not sustainable, it's hugely damaging to, to mental health and to yeah, longe- longevity in the arts. And um, for me, like I got a grant from the European Cultural Foundation when Brexit happened because I proposed a project that was to do with Brexit and they cared about that at the time. And they had a, a, a grant open that was called Democracy Needs Imagination and I managed to get one of those but they were so competitive it was it was ridiculous it was like 0.3% or something got those grants it was insane and i if i have one criticism of the european culture foundation it is that they only seem to fund during times of crisis it's not like an ongoing thing like they had a cultural of solidarity fund open that was supporting uh, western balkans and eastern europe and and now it's for ukraine and and whilst that's good and they need to do that there also needs to be support the rest of the time. And Agreed. There just isn't enough funding available, um, which is why it's so competitive. And also that means the artist is like spending a lot of time uh, working on applications that aren't successful. Like, If, you know, the one time that I got and was successful, I I must have applied like a hundred times when I wasn't. And there's so much time you have to invest in every single one of these applications that it it just drains you, it wears you down. And it means that you can't actually focus on on making your art and your creativity. And I think that is hugely damaging to arts and culture um, and also to equality and diversity and inclusion in the arts because People that come from backgrounds that aren't so privileged um, and that, uh, you know, can't afford to spend that time working on these unsuccessful applications or couldn't afford to go to the fancy art schools in London or whatever it is. They're not going to be able to access these opportunities and then you're basically going to end up with an art world which is cis white men from privileged backgrounds. Where's the diversity? Where's the inclusion? there just isn't enough funding for
0: it. Sorry I'm making faces, because I'm cis, white, male, privileged. Yeah, okay.
2: Sorry. Sorry. It's
0: okay. I I, I was born into it, it was not my choice.
2: Well, I think, maybe connecting to academia again, um, I'm kind of curious about, um, especially given the fact that so many young people are willing to take the responsibility during crisis, uh, who has the responsibility to enable support systems for these people uh to actually be able to do their work and i think schools uh, art academies are a big part of that and obviously this also connects to funding i mean i started thinking about it when anastasia was maybe uh referring to a more kind of um emotional uh, like this visceral response like okay i also have a responsibility here i also need to do something Um, I think many, many people at uh, art schools, many art students feel that way, but where are the support systems within education, for example, um, to actually kind of uh, facilitate their work? Um, And where are also the support systems or the guidance within education to find funding and to find funding in a way that is... um, not stringent upon following a certain narrative or, you know, where where artists can still uh, have their freedom to express and to uh, experiment and to not deliver exactly what uh, they promised to deliver because they found a better idea on the way and, you know, yeah, and and also kind of allow for some room to... um, write a report saying in the end that oh, this didn't quite work out, (laughs) and that's fine Um, I think also do you want to? I was mm -hmm. just going to
0: say I know I'm getting ready to write my final report for my grant and I'm just like, it did not turn out the way I expected it, or that I wrote it in the beginning
2: yeah, no, I mean I think that's also good right, you probably learned something new on the way and adapted, so I think that's how it should be probably um I think with funds specifically, I'm noticing that when it is addressed in art academies, it's more in in a kind of very individual way of like, here's all the things you can do as an individual artist that nobody knows about to maybe possibly get funding. And it's not so much addressing the sector of like, okay, how is it actually structured? How, uh, who is funding how much for what kind of projects, for what kind of reasons, who do we need to talk to, to maybe uh, find funding where there was not officially funding uh, sort of announced. I mean, that's something that uh, we can uh, attest to as a (laughs) fairly uh, successful methodology from time to time. Uh, But these are kind of things that are not really being dissected within art education and that's kind of damaging the, or or, or it's not even damaging. It's just um, making it that the support systems that are needed for young artists are not really being created.
0: Okay. I have a question since we actually have an audience. I want to know how many of you all have, we'll start with, let's say a bachelor's degree in some arts field. Oh, wow. Okay. So, um, okay. How many people have no, let's, let's say, no education in the arts? Okay. All right. So it's like 25% of not 75% education, having an education. Okay. I'm just interested. It was just for my own peace of mind, sort of like, you know, the conversation. You seem like you're bursting to say something.
3: I'm doing the opposite. I'm, uh, you're biting your tongue. Yes. I am going to hammer in the same point. If you want to have something done, money is just money. I do agree that the situation in terms of funding the arts is quite dire. However, this is based on the assumption that somebody should, ge- should be giving money out to you because you're an artist. I think the problem is more global I am going to pick up with capitalism again. What is art? Is it a business? Is art like science? Is art a hobby? What is art (laughs) in terms of funding? If art is a business, then you know. uh, I think in 2018 there was an 86 billion turnover in the art sector. Where does all this money go? It goes to a handful of people who do exhibitions in MoMA, who are represented by mega galleries. In terms of looking at the art sector, there's an ample amount of money to go around. It just sticks to the top. In terms of public funding, which everybody loves to criticize, we have a question again. Yes, it was extremely competitive, Malena, and I did not get it. (laughs) But why is there an art grant that only 0.3% of applicants get? I think that we are over-reliant on public funding. And I think I've had conversations. I had a, I had a podcast episode on this particular topic with a partner.
0: It's an excellent topic. I kind of wish that was the topic of this panel, because I would just <laughs> go into it. But it's not. So continue.
3: Um, I think that there is a larger problem of perception of an artist as ridiculed, as uh, irrelevant, as useless. Um,
0: and starving artists also. Also I starving. Hate that exactly. term. Exactly.
3: Fucking uh, hated. Unless you have nothing to eat the whole week, like myself... You really are not worthy of the title of an artist and your inspiration will not flow and you won't produce anything. I am so fed up with this. In order for people to be comfortable in their profession, they need to be able to afford their rent and have some money to eat.
0: Well, but see, my position is there's no such thing as a starving doctor. There's no such thing as a starving lawyer. But for some reason, there's a starving artist. Where did that come from?
2: I feel like um, within the... Team uh, here with the Structura. We've had this conversation a couple of times of not not exactly this conversation, but the conversation about our artists is being an artist uh, seen as something that is kind of a lifestyle or is it seen as a profession? Um, okay, let's get it. So, what's your position? Lifestyle or a uh, profession?
0: Those are your only two choices.
1: <laughs> hmm. I, I can't. I don't.
0: Into the microphone, please.
1: I can't put it in a box. Okay.
2: Fred? I uh, am quite strongly in the profession camp.
0: Profession?
3: Easy questions, late in the evening. Um, I think that if, if you look at contemporary art, there's so much happening. Some of it is a profession. Some of it is just innovation in its pure form. Like, you're looking for something. People are looking for something. And very often, it's hard to put it in a job or put it in a context. It's hard to make it understandable. It just grows out from somewhere. If I had to choose between those two categories, I would say profession. But Interesting. But... I believe that it is more complicated than just two options
0: it is absolutely I was just trying to make it easy to have a conversation with just two topics but I, like I'm a romantic so like I'm all about lifestyle personally I like my in my life I, I picture 1920s Paris smoking cigarettes sitting around Montmartre. like that's my that that' that's being an artist to me totally not true and will never exist again, but that's the way I wish it was.
1: My career's advice at school was uh, don't study art. <laughs> Keep it as a hobby. <laughs> Wait,
0: study I'm sorry, it, study don't art, sell f- your art?
1: Don't, don't study art. Don't study art. Do, and do a proper subject. Fair advice. And both of my brothers, who are both nuclear engineers, <laughs> will tell you, what. well, will ask you what is the point of art. It's not, it's not legible to non-artists, I don't think it's legible.
0: My wife is an accountant, so yeah, <laughs> totally get it.
1: Um, yeah. On the topic of funding, I just wanted to add what I had to resort to because I did get like one small grant, but it wasn't enough for like four years of activism.
0: Anybody, tell me a grant that was enough. <laughs> Anybody, did you, you ever had a grant that was enough? Sorry, she's raising her hand for those podcasters that cannot see that.
3: I'm sure they have spidey senses but uh i cannot this is actually a very interesting question what is enough for an event like this what you know the european uh, union deems uh, enough is just enough to feed the you know very basic meals to have very basic accommodation a little bit of uh materials but god forbid forbid you pay people who organize it (laughs) there's an actual cap of 20 percent in the grant that if you go above that for any fees you're automatically not really very considered it's like an unwritten rule that sometimes is made known to you
0: again i kind of want to change the topic to funding can we just change this whole thing to funding this whole panel is that okay fred is that all right
2: your panel, so... Okay, it seems
0: like the topic people like talking about. So let's, like, go. Let's, let's talk about that.
1: Well, I guess what I wanted to talk about was crowdfunding. Because that was like my last resort.
0: I love it. I've never tried it. I'm p- bitterly scared of it. Like, it's it, terrifying. Yeah.
1: It has... it. The The thing is you can build a huge community around a crowdfunder campaign and in in a time of crisis if you consider brexit a crisis uh you know there was a lot of support for any kind of initiative that was countering it that was speaking out against it so i managed to tap into that and i was i did about 20 crowdfunder projects i did a lot uh, including all the books that i self-published um, but there was a backlash to it as well So, on my CrowdFunder campaign, you'll see all these positive comments, everybody loves me, really nice. On Twitter, like don't even go there. Like I had the worst trolling, like I was just taken right through the doghouse. The worst thing that happened was- On Twitter,
0: that's shocking.
1: Yeah, Twitter is the worst. I've never <laughs> heard of such a thing. No, no, like everyone's really like polite and like friendly on Twitter. Are they? they? Yeah. I've
0: never used Twitter. So like I'm so just this was
1: a mm-hmm. huge shock to me when uh, some of the Twitter uh, accounts uh, found out that one of the persons, people that d- donated to my crowdfunder, apparently had also tweeted about porn, and then deduced from that that I was prostituting myself out for crowdfunder donations. Next thing I know, Guido Forks, which is a right-wing blog uh, in 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 the UK, has written this article titled um, "EU Supergirl." That was my that was my uh, uh, alias. EU Supergirl's Randy Sugar Daddy. And then write this, like, libellious article basically saying that I was, um, I don't know, like, giving sexual favors out or something to, for these old men to donate to my crowdfunder. All, and then ensued a whole onslaught of trolls basically all just calling me, like, a sex doll and rape threats and everything. So crowdfunding, last resort, really is.
0: Agreed. <laughs> yeah. I I don't like I don't like that we that as artists in the contemporary world we even have to resort to something like that. We shouldn't have to do that. Like that shouldn't even be an option. Though on the other hand there are some people who make an entire career out of it and it is sort of the thing that defines them. And it's really a difficult balance because like in some ways it can be very damaging and and very harmful, but in other ways it can be incredibly career creating in in for some people. I can think of many people that do that these days for their careers.
2: I mean, I think what I like about crowdfunding is um, not anything you mentioned, uh, but (laughs) But basically just that um, it can function as a way to give the power to artists to say this is relevant and if they can link to a community that agrees with whatever they are claiming to be relevant, they can have it funded. Uh, you know, despite perhaps not uh, being eligible for public funding because it's maybe a niche project or addressing a certain kind of thing that uh, politicians don't want to be addressed or, you know, anything of this kind of sort. So I I like that it gives a certain independence to artists. Uh, If that would be the only model in the arts, I think that would be a tragedy. (laughs) Do you have
0: anything to add? I always do. Well, if you don't, I have more topics. It's fine.
3: Is that a hint that I shouldn't be adding things?
0: Absolutely not. You just always seem a little timid on giving a res- a f- some feedback. So I'm giving you an out if you don't want to.
3: That is a first. Nobody has ever told me I've been timid on giving feedback.
0: <laughs> it, uh, okay, let me rephrase. It's your body language that's being timid, but maybe not your active.
3: <laughs> no, I'm just uh, listening and thinking through. Because uh, every time something's mentioned, uh, I... Do get um, some past experience that speaks to me, but I also take on board what's being said and some try to di- past digest it.
0: trauma that, like,
3: <laughs> fortunately, my crowdfunding experience is nowhere near as traumatic as Malena's. Uh I did a cute crowdfunder for my exhibition back in twenty twenty, got some money off some generous Canadian religious people, uh, and uh, I'm sorry, it did you say th-
0: Canadian religious? people? That is what I said. Okay.
3: No, I did a crowdfunding campaign to basically make sure that the exhibition I wanted to create with 500 euros of funding from the government, a 100 euro artist fee from the gallery, and a 5.5k budget for a two-year research project and other expenses. I did a crowdfunding campaign to make sure I was able to carry it out in the way I wanted. I also got a curator who was a friend who was doing it for free and four interns. In that situation, my European Youth Parliament experience was what allowed me to do this, but the crowdfunding campaign, without that, I would not have been able to pull off what I wanted to also there was an interesting case of me doing a performance with some paintings in a bar and a swiss estonian lady just buying some off me right there on the spot that also helped me out to make to have exhibition happen but uh back to the crowdfunding thing um did a cute video nothing controversial lovely exhibition idea um just got some funding from random people from canada and that was very very i'm very grateful if you're in the auditorium which you're probably not but i great am your very hand
0: if you're a are religious you? canadian <laughs> person yeah great okay thanks for coming out thanks for coming out okay.
1: maybe there's some listening to your podcast right now
0: we do have a good following in canada actually so it is possible i am the grateful whoever I you are I doubt, I doubt there are religious people listening to me
3: <laughs> you never know
0: my dad's a priest and no
3: you <laughs> I mean, we found you. You never know who's going to be listening to your podcast. It's true. Okay. Um, the last uh, wrap-up about crowdfunding, I think that especially now looking at um, independent media from countries that are struggling to, um, to save some bits of free speech, crowdfunding is the only way that allows them to do what they actually need to. I do believe that this is a useful tool for the arts for the time being, but it needs to be taught, it needs to be done well, and it needs to be an option supplementary to several other options that you would have on your plate.
0: It's a fair assessment. I will take that into my teaching practices. So two little topics that uh, you all have brought up that I sort of, like, I'm i going to try and ask you to elaborate on. Going back to, again, the whole idea of like, how crisis affects artists, one of the terms was competitiveness came up, and how, like, especially when there is a form of a crisis, whether it's an economic crisis, a physical a war, a, um, a pandemic, or whatever it is kind of thing, it increases competitiveness, even or, or to a certain extent, like, in the arts, uh, whether it be funding or opportunities or whatever it is that, it, you know, as much as we, we strive not to be competitive, I love that you all came together for this event in, in a way, in a very supportive way, but in the end, unfortunately, because of the economic models and the opportunity models that are out there, we end up being very competitive with each other, whether we like it or not, but along with that, the, I find that times of crisis also encourage forming of collectives versus times of not crisis. I don't even know what that would be called. Good times? Is that good times? Like not crisis time? What would not crisis times be? What's the antithesis of a crisis time? Good time? I'll go with that. Good times. Routine. <laughs> normal. Normal. No, no, but that's the thing, it's not normal. Crisis, sadly, isn't the new normal
1: um so i've actually because of being part of the funding think tank done like a lot of research recently into uh, arts council england funding
0: which is a whole can of worms in and of itself
1: yeah so unsurprisingly i have never managed to get public funding in the uk being Anti-Brexit. That was
0: unsurprising or surprising?
1: Yeah, really surprising. Okay, I didn't. (laughs) Yeah, Um, but uh, during the COVID pandemic, I did actually manage to get one of their emergency funding grants. That's the only time I've ever managed to get any money of them. It was quite a small grant, um, but it was like something. Um, And the data from the, the the latest report basically shows this story of. Um, them giving out a whole lot more money to a lot more people from diverse backgrounds during the COVID-19 pandemic. So like normally they would distribute to like 30% of the applicants during the, the pandemic they distributed to 60% and the amount was, I can't remember the fix exactly but it was like a lot higher so they were like giving a lot more money out and they were giving out more freely and they weren't like vetting people in the same way um, and That was good, but again, it's this thing of like them only giving the money out during a crisis.
0: Correct.
2: Sad, but true. I think it's um, good that you mentioned COVID, um, because even though (laughs) the pandemic has been a complete disaster uh, on many different levels, Um, I think one of the effects that it had on artists was actually also in some rare cases, um, a kind of empathy emerging uh, towards artists, uh, because I feel like the pandemic kind of revealed uh, how precarious the sector really is. Um, And I feel that I've actually talked to a couple of artists that felt more supported in their efforts during the pandemic than they had ever felt before, which is what was interesting. Um, so it seems to me also that because uh, arts and culture was one of the sectors that I think was most severely or the first severely uh, limited, you know, with museums and theaters and these kinds of things, uh, non essential. Uh, Uh, things being closed down. Um, It was a moment where the arts or culture was kind of taken away Mm -hmm. from uh, there. It was a kind of you will miss it once you don't have it anymore situation, Um, which I think does show uh, some sort of hope that actually people do support um, the work that artists are doing. Uh, despite perhaps that not being in the public discourse uh, very frequently.
3: I feel this went to funding again.
0: I brought up the topics of competitiveness and forming collectives. I don't know where you all took it.
3: I will, I will stick with the competitiveness You are and welcome
0: to do funding. I, I, funding is like my biggest pet peeve. The fact that artists and any art-created people, that we have to rely on funding drives me nuts. Because unfortunately, most funding in the modern era is tied to either politics, so like government support, so, and, and that depends on who's in power in politics, or companies and capitalism and whether or not you, like, appreciate whatever they make or don't make, you know, like, who wants to get, you know, who's going to turn down a million dollars from pharma, big pharma? I'm not sure I would turn that down. Like, but on the one hand, I want to turn it down on a moral and ethical standpoint. But, yeah, we're not talking about funding. We're talking about competitiveness and forming collectives.
3: Don't get me wrong. I could spend another 17 hours talking about funding. It's... Uh
0: we will do a separate material. episode before I leave about funding.
3: So much looking 17, forward.
0: Seventeen-hour mini uh, series. So,
3: guys, all the think tanks are cancelled. I am doing a podcast about funding.
0: No, now it'll be interactive. This is not true. We can have the group as part of it.
1: You can have the funding group.
0: <laughs> I would love it. Are you organizing these? A podcast with eighty people <laughs> sounds really fun. <laughs> It would just be hard to differentiate the voices at <laughs> a certain point.
2: I think. I think there would be more problems than just this. But yeah. Okay. Sure.
0: All right. So, anyways, final sort of uh, summations of stuff. We're running a little late on time. I think everybody's a bit tired.
3: Um, community and collective and uh, competitiveness, and as an as an op- in opposition to this um, support, I feel that. I have encountered as a young professional in the arts a lot of something opposite to what I knew again in the European Youth Parliament, which is when we do events like this for young people, we are all in it, we are all solving problems, we are all highly motivated and most of the time, we're not paid anything. And it's puzzling to me how these communities of young people, who are just ignited by the idea of being able to get together with 100 young Europeans, do cool stuff together, do have an opportunity to network, have an opportunity to then go on to you know present their work somewhere, and we love it. We continue doing it, as I said, for 10 years, going from country to country, repeating the process, learning from each other, supporting each other, making amazing friends. And that is a collective I'm very proud and very happy to be part of. And that's what I'm trying to introduce to the art world with this. And on the other hand, you have this highly depressing, discouragement, discouraging atmosphere of you're now a newbie in this sector, please bring me coffee for the rest of the year and then maybe we will discuss you having some responsibility and the right to give feedback. And that might come a few years later, the feedback. I'm sorry, I was so hastily um, thinking of it. I find that because of the way this sector is built up right now, you are expected to comply with this and you're expected to take it in even if it's not and instinct. Uh, people who are, you know, coming from this European news fundamental thing, who have the spark and who want to do things their way and want to do great things, cool things together, gradually understand that if they want to get to higher positions, this is this is the way it is done, so they start changing. Um, nobody's fault. This is, uh, you know, from generation to generation, this is how things are done, things are run. So much pretension, so much pretension. I don't believe it is necessary in the art sector. After all, if you are all about creativity, making something new, making something interesting, trying, trying out something new, why do we need to keep up with this? Why can't we not go to a place where, you know, you need some funding, I need some funding, I have skills, you have skills, I know people, you know people, uh, Madelena, thank you for 15,000 euros, because the European Cultural Foundation that is supporting this event and allowing the European participants to travel here with a grant was thanks to me and Madeleine being supportive of each other. I don't know, try it out, might be helpful.
1: On um, that note, I didn't mention anything about collectives, but I do believe that the whole is greater than the sum of the parts and that we're stronger when we work together, we achieve more when we work together and particularly like with Destructura, lobbying for change in the art sector um, the politicians and the policymakers are not going to listen to you as an individual they will listen to you as a collective and that's why what anastasia is doing here is so important
0: all right lovely does anybody in the audience have any questions for our panelists the answer is yes
4: Hi, everybody. Um, Thank you very much, first of all, for everything. It was incredibly insightful since we've been speaking about fundings and sustainable stuff. Not because we need to bring it to um, to, to fundings necessarily, um, but their feeling of, okay, we are creatives, we can find new ways of creating collectives together and have our voices heard more. Isn't there somehow another form of, like, extreme like very extreme actually competition like bringing people together they're already having those sort of connections uh, and using them in a way to get th- those fundings that we agreed there are not that many um, and also certain skills are very gif- difficult to acquire outside of s- mm, certain structures and institutions so if well, capitalist structures and um, companies tend to want something in return for fundings, and public fundings are overcrowded. We are over-reliant. I guess that's what I don't know um, on public fundings. And on top of that, crowdsourcing oftentimes it means that you're going to be publicly shamed. Um, what 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 are the the options then? Because I've been personally working 50 hours a week and um, not being able to pay the rent and do a few things and actually accepting um, all those things that are happening in the art world as just like not being in the position of giving feedbacks so or having any projects out of it and maybe working on a Sunday morning if I'm not too tired. Um, is there any structure in which their collective work can not be that competitive or um, Constructing a new form of com- competitiveness, if you want. It's a really long question or comment. I don't know how you want to respond to this.
1: Um, I think the first thing would be like to acknowledge. I think one of the benefits of bringing everyone together to share their experiences is that you realise you're not alone in your experiences. So, like, I also have two part-time jobs which I do like on top of my art and activism. And yeah, I'm also just working all the time and it's tiring, but that's kind of how it has to be, because you're in a market, you're in a situation that is so starved of resources, it is so competitive, that there isn't an alternative, and there isn't a choice, and I think if we think back to what the the panelists earlier were talking about, like having hope in in times of crisis, and and not necessarily knowing that you're going to live to see the change, you have to try, you have to keep trying, because as soon as you give up hope, then then you've lost, that's when you've lost.
3: Um, I'll try to keep this brief. Uh, in the last now, I think two years, more or less, as I've been trying to get this off the ground, we reapplied for all of the grants that we applied for at the beginning. At the beginning, we didn't even get to the first round. Nobody even answered our you know, calls. Uh, towards the end of the process of fundraising for this, basically all the grants that were refusing us in the beginning were giving us some funding. I have been doing insane hours for the last year and a half where I do murals, uh, photography, design, paintings, community engagement, language skills improvement, um, translating, uh, the list goes on. I am a very multifaceted person, as it turns out, when it comes to making some money in order to realize the thing that I really want to realize. This project has been driving me for the last two years. And basically, this is done for the participants so that many issues can be addressed. I always believed that money is just money. I, together with a team we will be able to fundraise to do the project the where we want to and I have been you know dealing with minimum income <laughs> in order to cover my basic needs this should not be that way I think it, that what we're trying to do here is one of the steps to try and you know shout out loud that this should not be that way Unionizing is great. See us as a huge union that can happen in a big meeting every two years, and we actually make our voices heard through advocacy. What you can do in order to try and improve the situation is get outraged, get annoyed, get vocal, and don't do it in kitchens. Do it uh, on platforms. Do it... um, in situations where you can constructively explain why this is ridiculous that artists are living this way. I think the biggest sort of solution to this problem is just don't expect somebody else to improve the situation that is relevant to us.
0: Any other questions?
4: (laughs) Yes, uh, considering we've been talking about budgeting and funding and all that, and that you're all artists working in different mediums. The thing is, di- some mediums cost a lot less to make art with than others. Writing is very cheap. Painting, sculpture cost has material costs. If you want to get into filmmaking, a bit a bit at a higher level than uh, one man with the camera, you have your, your crew, lo- your location, your gear rental, all of that. So some ways of expressing yourself are much cheaper than others how does that impact your decision what to make and when to make it when you're budgeting and when you're dealing with a limited amount of money
1: um i think you have to be resourceful uh that was like i think is always a i think is a really um, important characteristic for any artist or campaigner is is to be re- resourceful because you are going to be starved of resources and I don't think the funding is exactly off the topic of crisis because there is a crisis in funding. And there is a crisis in arts because there isn't enough funding. And that's why so many artists are living through like a personal crisis of not being able to sustain themselves um, and what they're doing. And I think you have to be clever and you have to be resourceful. And um, I think that you can sometimes be like more authentic and have greater integrity if you do something out of, of of passion and out of your creative skill, rather than throwing loads of, you know, money at expensive equipment or or whatever it is, um, I, I know I work for a charity uh, at, at the moment um, that's tackling hate speech and conspiracy theories. They commission um, uh, content for for the social media channels and stuff, and the budget for the videos is so much higher than the budget for the artwork and i find that a bit annoying because i think like there's as much like ideas and concept and and, uh, and in terms of social media analytics as much impact from a, just like a visual than there is uh, from from a video um, which costs a lot more to create and i think we don't value the time put in enough you're saying it's cheap to write it's it's cheap to paint but it's, I think it's the time and the ideas that is the thing that is most valuable. And I don't think our society values that. And I think that is a crisis.
0: Amen. <laughs> Any other questions? All right. Well, thank you very much. go, we would like to thank you for listening all the way to the end of the episode. We would also appreciate it if you would share the podcast with your friends, families, co-workers, and studio mates, anyone with an interest in the arts and creative industries. The building and strengthening of the arts and creative community both today and in the future is at the core of our mission for this podcast. You can listen rate, and subscribe to this podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. We are produced by 5014, and the music was created by Pete Bybee. The Wise Fool Art Podcast is supported in part by an EEA grant from Iceland, Liechtenstein, and Norway in an effort to work together for a green, competitive, and inclusive Europe. We would also like to thank our partners Hunt Kastner in Prague, Czech Republic, and Kunstszentrené in Norge in Norway. Links to EEA grants and our partner organizations are available in the show notes or on our website, wisefoolpod.com.